This is the non-microwave truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. If this is your first time joining us, glad to have you. Sit tight, baby. We're going to have some fun today. If you have been with me before, man, thank you for tuning in again. That's, that's truly a blessing. I'm glad you appreciated or found some use in these, these episodes and been tuning in faithfully to the non-microwave truth. Don't forget to write a review or share this with a friend. That stuff matters. I would love for this to touch more people, especially just the fact that more people hearing about God's word with a, a little different perspective and constantly hearing the non-microwave truth. That would mean a lot, not just to me, but to our Lord and Savior, Yeshua. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now, let's get into our first world problem today. And this is just sparked because working at a school and we have homecoming coming up. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy what students are doing for asking someone to go to the dance with them. Like, I remember if I wanted to ask somebody to the dance, I'm just going to go up to him like, hey, you want to go to the dance with me? I think I think I had to take someone to um, a dance because I was on, on court. And I remember I think I just wrote her a note like, hey, you're trying to go to the dance with me. But man. I don't know when this started. I started thinking about this. Probably was like five years ago, especially like on social media. It was like challenges and stuff. Kids are doing posters, bears, candy, stuffed animals. And then they got to have like their whole posse and their whole crew there to record it. And it's like, man, y'all doing the most. Somebody was like, yeah, I'm going to try to get a hold of one of the Bucks players to ask the person to record a video or come up to the school and ask the person I want. And it's like, you're going to do all of this just to ask someone to go to the dance? Like, what are you going to do or what are you expecting if you were ever to get married? But this is the first world problem. What would you do or what is the most you would do, I should say, if you wanted to ask someone to go to the dance? What is the most you think someone should do? And I want you to try to think about it. Like, what do you think is actually God pleasing in this in this um, instance? And that's super open ended. You, there's no right or wrong, but I do want to hear what you think about this. So our first world problem today is what is the most you would do? when asking someone to go to the dance. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Food for Thought. Thoughts are reactions a lot of times to the things that feed our minds. Have you ever thought about it like, man, why, why do I get so angry? Why am I so sad? Why do I get into it with so many people? Why do I think I like this person? Or maybe why do I even think I, I love this person? Why? 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 Our quote, we're going to use a quote today. Our quote we're using today is this. You have to eat what you are fed. But most of us miss the point, so we don't even understand what's in our head. And what I mean by that is we often think that our thoughts just came out of thin air. We often think our feelings just popped up. Now, now both things can happen. But in reality, most of the time, most of the time we think or feel what we think or feel is actually reactive to some type of message we have come across. Now, think about this songs, movies, those can provide like a feeling a feeling that's good. And we automatically assume that since that feeling is good, 
the message is good. And this is one of those episodes that some people could get super defensive and tune out everything. But if you get defensive, then this is even more so an episode for you. Because I know some people get so mad because they really don't have a good source besides their emotion. And these are two things I've really been trying to practice. And I'll ask this to a person or I'll say this to a person. What did you hear me say? And man, I'm amazed that when I ask people, what did you hear me say? And what they repeat back to me, it's like, nah, nah, I didn't say that at all. Like you just added this, you twisted this, you added a a definition or meaning to something that I never gave a definition or meaning for. And that's a very good question. I think you should ask people. And another thing that I do is when I'm listening is I say, hey, this is what I heard you say. So those are two great things to practice, especially when you're having that conversation or especially when something is not exactly what you want to hear. But now I want you to check out this message. It's a catchy beat. It's a solid hook. And this is what I mean. It's played in the fall when something good is happening because, you know, songs can put you in a place and put you back in a mindset. And we can admit that, but we act like songs don't give us messages, too. I'm going to sing a little bit for you. Hey. And you throwing on the dress cause it's see-through. Yeah, talking all the stuff you didn't been through. Yeah, texting me and saying I need to see you. I don't know. I might come, I might go, I don't know. Yeah, I probably could have been a little, you know, Usher Chris Brown, but God didn't want me to do it. Now that was a Drake song. But at the very least, the very least, the message that I was just singing was saying, it's okay for me to stare at your dress if it's see-through. I mean, she must be trying to show me. Plus, I know she want to see me. Doesn't that sound like understandable logic from the listening to the song or hearing the song? And you can end up knowing songs and being influenced by this type of stuff more than you realize. Like, how many one-liners can you quote from a movie or a TV show? Faith comes from hearing the message. I'll say that again. Faith comes from hearing the message. We know God said faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But don't we have to be careful that this applies to things like music's message or CNN's message or a TikTok message? But the better question is what? What do you think this message is trying to teach you? And if you get some time, just watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix one day. If you don't believe me on how things are trying to influence and control you, because I'm telling you, the most dangerous enemy you can have is one you don't even know is there and attacking you. And I want you to think about it like this. It's like you at your job or school and the main thing they offer is fast food and it's free. They offer breakfast, they offer lunch, and they even give you a gift card for dinner. But it's only the fast food places. You could bring a lunch or eat breakfast at home. But it's nothing like free. Because you know that lunch or breakfast at home is going to cost you. And then you still have to be intentional on making or packing it. And if you wanted to just watch a TV show or a movie because you just want to relax. The message that a lot of times those movies or TV shows are going to have is how to get by or how to get high. Like it's hard to find something that isn't promoting and making sex outside of marriage seem hot and fun or something that's not promoting that it's your body and you can do whatever you want with your body it's hard to find a show that's not promoting 
homosexuality relationships. Like every show has a homosexual couple in it for the most part. It's hard to find shows that's not beating up someone or telling someone off in an unchristian way. It is extremely hard to find something in our American entertainment system that isn't glorifying some form of sin. And because of this, sin gets normalized. Watch TV shows where someone gets killed all the time or beat up and you become callous to it. Or at least I know I do. Am I the only one who can admit to this? Now, I was talking to some Generation Z young ladies the other day about people being homophobic. And we got on this because she started talking about Lil Nas and she explained to me how the song was queer, but not gay. And they were sharing some of their thoughts and why they think they're attracted to who they're attracted to and what type of love they were looking for because it's homecoming time. And one of the Generation Z young ladies explained how her dad got on her for listening to this song. And she didn't see what the big deal was. And I asked her, you know, did you agree with the the song's message? And she didn't know, but she felt she could relate. And she said this kind of like in a roundabout way. She then started asking me, was the message in the song supported by the Bible, which I had to tell her like it, it wasn't. She was able to explain to me the difference between a stud, a femme, a queer, a stem. And a lot of this was completely new to me. Like she taught me a lot. But what she was able to kind of come up with on her own is that she couldn't tell me a lot or any Bible references about what the Bible said about certain issues in any type of detail. And I thank God. I thank God she was asking these type of questions about like, is this right? Is this wrong? Where does it say this in the Bible? Because it did allow me to share with her that the things she was listening to and feeding her mind with were obviously having an influence on her thoughts. And this was easy and evident because of how she could break down the difference between a stud, a queer and the whole world, that whole world with ease. And I've talked to a lot of my male athletes about how our culture objectifies and encourages and encourages them to be players and non-committal. And it's it really teaches a lot of young men to use women and abuse them. And like that song I was talking about earlier, that's a perfect, perfect example of that. And when I left that conversation with those young ladies, those Generation Z young ladies, it was like, no wonder so many Generation Z and millennials are confused. Like, they're so confused. We don't understand the different forms of love. And what I mean by that is there's a type of love that you have for a family member. There's a type of love that's really passion and feelings driven. There's a type of deep bond and love that you can have for a friend. There's a deep type of love that you can have because you understand that's your duty. And then there's another type of love that God gives us, which is called agape love, which is that sacrificial, unconditional love. And what happens is, since we don't understand these, these forms of love, let's say you're missing the love from your mom or your dad. Or let's even say this. Let's say you have seen your mom or your dad get abused by the, the opposite sex. All of a sudden, since there is a void or a negative perception on how that form of love looks, when we see that form of love that is missing and that form of love is given to us, we oftentimes don't know how to react to it or we feel a certain way and we don't know how to necessarily fill in the blank. So we allow our culture and we allow the world to tell us what that form of love or that feeling really, really means. And that can be super confusing because we don't understand what we're consuming and digesting in our minds, especially with our culture. 
Like we are so unaware. So we think that every thought and feeling is pure and authentic and it just came from a good place when really it's the opposite. Like when we consume things from from this world, from this culture, we're being drugged like our offer. Our information is being laced. The chef of this world doesn't want us to know he's putting things in our food to make us hallucinate or not think rational or more importantly, not think godly. And if you wonder, like, what is it being laced with? What am I being drugged with? You're being laced in drugs with half truths that want to get you away from God and from serving God and knowing who he really is and knowing what his love really means for you. And on this episode of Food for Thought, we can understand that our natural physical diet impacts us. Like you can say, I think most people know it impacts your energy level. It impacts the way you looked, what you consume in your body. It impacts the way that you perform. And if it's something like alcohol, it messes not only your thought process, it messes with your reaction time. But our culture is set up for us to be taken in sinful messages and just be okay with them. Sins are like snacks. And I want you to think about this. Have you ever been somewhere and they have popcorn and pretzels and chips and just a bunch of tasty snacks and you're sitting there with access to all of it? Or have you ever opened up some Pringles or Oreos and only had one? I don't know about you, but that's those are the type of things where I got to have a bunch of them. One is just not enough. But you wouldn't be surprised if your stomach started hurting later. Or you got the BGs or your appetite was lacking when it came to lunchtime. So the bottom line is this. Whatever you eat, it has to go in your body and your body has to do something with it. When you take in too much of something that's not designed to be taken in that much or at all, you have a major problem, especially over time or if you consistently do this. So let's say, for example, you take in an excess amount of sugar. That's another reason or that's the reason why people have diabetes. The more you drink, you can usually handle it because you build up a tolerance. But no matter what, if you take in too much alcohol, you become drunk you probably throw up and you feel like a truck hit you the next day. But what about when you take in an excess amount of sin? Now, none of us would just go take a couple cups of sugar and start swallowing or eating it. I guess unless it's like that Kool-Aid, the Kool-Aid package, you know what I'm talking about? But, uh, but yeah, we probably could devour a couple cups of sugar through candy or desserts or soda. But yet we know this because of the nutrition facts and the labels. Sin doesn't come just in the form of straight sugar. It comes in the form of brownies, in the form of candy, in the form of sweet alcoholic beverages. It doesn't have a label, though. That's the difference. It doesn't want you to know what you are consuming exactly. Now, I want to transition into looking at the things in our spiritual diet that get into our heads and like influence our thoughts. The things that shape what we are eating from a spiritual and mental sense are this. The first one, our immediate communities or like our immediate environments. And when I say that, I'm talking about our culture, our upbringing, our people we are consistently around. The second one that shapes what we are eating from a spiritual sense is our, our media, and I mean social media, our entertainment outlets, as such as TV, movies, songs, commercials, video games. Now, let's look at the first one, our environment. How does our environment feed us? Think about this. If you are around a bunch of people that cuss, 
you will not find cussing that wrong or that bad. Now, if you're not around anyone who cusses and someone drops an F-bomb, you'd have a look on your face like someone just died. If you're surrounded around uh, a group of people that constantly lash out and you're surrounded around fighting and violence, this is how you would think is the best way to handle a dispute. This would become normal to you. It's the same thing with if you were around a, a bunch of relationships where you saw someone cheating on another person or how they talk to a man or how they talk to a woman, you start to think that those things are OK and those things are acceptable. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I have been around that, but that was like 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm going to break it down to you like this. For some people, and in a lot of cases, it takes a long time to lose weight or to change their diet or their fitness or their actual health. And things that happened years ago still have consequences or, or repercussions that may be lingering. So even though you might have removed yourself from those situations from 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, there are still lasting effects and there are still steps that you need to take in order to in order to change your thought process, in order to get rid of that diet consequences that you had from 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Like if you picked up 100 pounds, 100 pounds is usually not something you can lose in a couple of months. That's an ongoing thing that you have to constantly be battling and fighting against. And it's the exact same thing from a spiritual sense. And I literally just had something that happened towards me the other day where I was like, man, thank God that I've been in a environment where I constantly hear the word of God every day because I had someone come at me crazy, like come at me crazy. Talk about fighting me and challenging my manhood. And, you know, my pride kicks in. And if my diet would have been crazy music and I would have been having a heavy diet of music like Nuck If You Buck, or if I'd have been listening to Chief Keith, we would have been fighting because that's that stuff. I don't like how he was talking to me. And some of you are like, what type of music is that? It's some good ratchet turn up music. That's what it is. But the Bible is pretty clear. And the Bible tells us this. I'm going to read you just a couple of passages. Psalms 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. The second passage is this. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And those passages are pretty much just telling us as a Christian man or woman, you can't be moving the same way that uh, when I said sinner, it's more so talking about people who don't want to have don't want to have anything to do with God and they want to live the way of this world. And America is so big on feelings and life being a feeling process. And with the Israelites, this was the same thing. And what I'm referring to is in Exodus 32, they didn't feel God's presence for a while because Moses had been gone. Moses was going to get the Ten Commandments. Yet they didn't try to feed themselves spiritually. And do you realize that half the time you feel hungry from a physical sense, you aren't even hungry? Or you may be thirsty or vice versa. And our culture tells us to consume something as soon as you feel hungry or thirsty. And we overconsume in our spiritual life the wrong thing all the time. Like this is our culture. 
What's normalized becomes okay, but that doesn't make it okay. The Israelites, they wanted to worship a golden calf. That was normal. Like, I know you're like, that sounds so stupid. But it was the norm. And I can guarantee there are some things normalized now that are not okay. Like, there is something in our society that we are literally living through and with and saying, you know what, this is okay. And why do we think it's okay? It's because we literally get a consistent diet of it. And since we're consuming it all the time or a lot, we mistake normal for okay. Man, so many people are like fake woke. What I mean by that is I've heard people say you only believe that Jesus stuff because your parents told you to. But come on, do you not realize that you believe most of the things you believe because you were told? The only thing that's different is some things you don't even know you've been told and you have been receiving a message for such a long time in so many ways. And I'll give you an example. The American dream. Be happy. Be successful. Success looks like this. You don't want to end up working at Wendy's one day. That's something you constantly hear in our American culture. Or the second one is your body. It's your body, your choice. If you want to have an abortion, that's fine. If you want to have sex with this person, with whomever, whenever, that's fine. Those are messages, messages that we consistently hear every single day. Now, let's move on to the second thing we consume a lot of and influences our thoughts. And that comes from our media. How are you entertained? What has your attention? Is it movies, TV shows, uh, social media? Music we already talked about. For some, it's actually politics and it's the news. And like I said, it's so stupid to worship a golden calf. But in our culture, we're taught to worship anything that brings us instant gratification. I'll call that the, the microwave effect or how about the fast food effect? We might not worship a golden calf literally, but we worship technology. We worship our love. We worship what I mean by that, we worship like our love lives. Who I love is who I love. We put that before God. Remember, the first commandment is love God above everything else. We worship athletes. We worship celebrities. And some of you are like, no, I don't. But think about this. If you've paid more to go to a concert or a sporting event than you've ever given to church, who seems to be higher on your priority list? If you spend more time on TikTok or Snapchat, than you do in your Bible, what seems to be higher on your priority to priority list? I'm not taking a shot at you. I'm also talking to myself. And I'll repeat that quote for you again. You have to eat what you are fed, but most of us miss the point so we don't understand what's in our head. We have to be real and we have to be conscious of what our minds are actually consuming. I'm telling you and know that the most accessible thing there is for us is sin. But let's talk about how we should respond to sin or that food this world is laying on our dinner tables. The first thing is call it what it is. If it's sin, it's sin. Now, part of the reason we don't call it sin sometimes is because we don't know God's word. And human nature usually is this. We try to minimize the sin we struggle with the most and act like it's not a sin. We are kings and queens of misquoting the Bible, like giving it justifiable anger and saying, you know, I can get revenge because they messed me over or I can lust after this woman because she shouldn't dress like this. No, 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 no. Sin is sin. Call it what it is. But just understand when you do cut out some of these foods you've been consuming from a spiritual sin, like let's say you cut out music or 
watching that horrible, silly TV show. It will be uncomfortable and it may even cause a, a tummy ache for you. And that's comparable to if you eat chips for breakfast every day and then all of a sudden you switch to fruit and vegetables, your stomach is probably going to hurt and it's going to take some adjusting. And this might even make you hangry, hungry and angry. And my encouragement with this would be finding someone who has a pretty good understanding of the Bible and allowing them to break it down for you. This would be like you finding the food and allowing someone to cook it for you. It's nothing like a good chef. And that's where a pastor or someone who's experienced and in the word can kind of help you out. The second thing that I would say is you got to avoid it and run from it. It being sin, especially when you see you can't respond in a godly way to it. An example I'll give you is this. You watching a movie and it's got sex and you thinking like, man, I wish I had something to hit. And you aren't married. Get out the kitchen because it's getting too hot. I should be careful and aware of that, too, even if I'm married. But at least I can feed my flesh with my wife. That sounds weird saying it like that. But I think you get the point. Now, to take control over some of your thoughts comes down to changing your diet. Read books, find different type of music, study the word, find someone with a different way of thinking and have conversations with them. Have godly conversations that digest the scripture and see what God's ways are. Three Bible passages I want to share with you on, on why you should do that. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The next passage, the next passage shows us that we can't trust everything that we think or feel. First John four, verse one, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this last passage just tells us why it's so important to be in the word, the word of God, the Bible. Second Timothy three, verse 16 to 17. It says every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. And this is one of the main reasons I say Jesus at the age of 12 was in the temple. He was in the word and he changed his environment. I have some challenges for you. I want you to pick one and try it out. So pick one of these. First one is this, start your day off with a Bible passage and meditate on it for two minutes for at least three days out the week. Okay, that's the first one. Start your day off with a Bible passage, meditate on it for two minutes, at least three days a week. Or how about this? Watch your normal TV show or listen to your normal music that falls in that sinful category and put a note on your phone or you can write it out and put at least three forms of sin that seem to be glorified and then find a Bible passage that refutes it. Google is a great resource, by the way. Okay, last possible challenge for you. Whatever your favorite source of social media is, see if you can go a whole straight 24 hours without it. And do at least a minute prayer asking God to reveal absolute truth to you, aka the non-microwave truth to you. Usually what we're doing is not enough. Going to church once a week is not enough, especially if you're consuming garbage all week. It's easy for people to understand that working out only once a week and then eating garbage all week isn't enough. It's the same thing with our spiritual sense. Examine what you are eating from a mental and spiritual sense and know you have to eat what you are fed. Don't settle for the bad snacks and the free meals 
that this world is giving you, garbage in equals garbage out. It's just sad that most of us don't know what we're consuming and we're consuming garbage. It takes more intentionality to consume what is right than it does to settle for what is wrong. But thank God, thank God for giving us his word, his spirit, and his love to provide the hope and guidance we need to get a hold of what we're consuming and ultimately thinking. And this is the non-microwave truth. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. They know the drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.